I am excited this week to bring on a fellow St. Petersburg native here, and I'm. it's been a long time coming with us. Like many interviews, we go back and forth, but we finally make time for the right date. And this week, we will be talking a lot about foster care and how that is related to mental health, where children of abuse and those in foster care face tremendous mental health battles. And today's guest has dedicated her life to helping children overcome these hurdles. She received her graduate degree in social work from the University of South Carolina, and Kathy is here today and sharing her expertise from working in the field of child abuse and child abuse prevention for 34 years. Kathy has spent her entire career focusing on protecting children and strengthening families. She began as a caseworker in 1988 and has helped and has held, excuse me, numerous supervisory and administrative roles. Ten years ago, she had the opportunity to help create Ready for Life, Inc., where she currently serves as a CEO, so we're going to dive all into that and the great work they do. It was created to serve those young adults preparing to age out of the foster care system. It is her desire to prevent child abuse, strengthen families, make our community better, as well as to bring awareness to the issues faced by our youth aging out. Kathy, it's great to see you, and thank you so much for taking the time to join the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to learn more about all the great work you do, raise awareness for all foster care things involved, and it's not easy for these kids. I mean, the mental health burden they carry is tremendous, but you're doing your part to lessen that, make them feel more at home any way you can. Let's talk a little bit more about this work you do here with Ready for Life. Absolutely. You know, I think for so many years, um, and I worked for our system of care for child welfare for so many years when these young adults did not get adopted um, and did not go home and they stayed in the system until they were 18, literally the door was opened on their 18th birthday and they were put out. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what their situation was. And I was part of that, but we didn't have any options. And I think finally we all started to wake up and think, what are we doing? You know, what child even that's been raised well is ready at 18 for the door to be opened and to say, see, ya, you know, you're you're on your own now. So it is just it's been amazing to watch um, what has happened. Actually, it's been 14 years now um, when you come beside these young adults and, you know, you become their family, you become their biggest cheerleader, you help them do the next steps that parents typically would do. And it has been the best 14 years of my entire career serving this population. At Tampa Counseling and Wellness, we want to remind you that it's okay to not be okay. Reaching out for support and asking for a little extra help can be overwhelming, but everyone deserves a safe space to heal. We're so honored to be that space for Florida residents. If you want to learn more about our services or you'd like to set up a free consultation with one of our clinicians, you can call or text us at 813-520-2807. We're looking forward to growing with you. I'm sure it's very rewarding to help kids get that next step. And like you said there, even if you had a very warm household at 18, I even look back now that 13, 14 years ago, where you think you know it all, you think you've got it all figured out, but you really have nothing figured out. You really don't know anything. And going from having any situation, being involved in someone else's home to being kicked out the door, how do you think that can possibly be good for someone's mental health? You've 
been through this for a little bit now. You've seen a lot of kids come and go through your system. What are some of the mental health challenges that you've come across with these kids, maybe most frequently? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in my um, working with this population, you know, it's hard to fathom that they don't have some mental health issues, right? You know, imagine being pulled from your home and being put into a system and sometimes moved around from 10 to 20 to over 30 foster homes. And I've seen young adults go through 10 different schools, you know, because every move gives a different school. How can you not, right, have such trauma and such issues that they all, in my opinion, they absolutely will come out of that system of care with mental health issues, with trauma, with very unresolved um, things that have happened throughout their entire life. And and really, I think our system does them a disservice yes. by not addressing it while they're in care. You know, and I see it on the other end when they get out. And that's one of the first things we we address is, is trying to get them to talk to someone. Maybe not, it's not therapy yet or counseling because they have to build that trust, mm-hmm. which they lack because so many people have been in and out of their life. So many social workers and case managers have come and gone. So for them to tell their story, it's a big deal. And they don't want to tell it to me. And then two days later, someone else, you know, so we work really hard to start where they are and figure out what's the best way that we can help them to start dealing with some of those issues so that they can have a healthy life moving forward and not have that drag them down, you know, um, and, and be what defines them. And that's the thing too. Everything is so unique. Each case is so different. I'm sure where you've seen just so much. It's. Do you find that their confidence is lacking when they go from home to home like this, where they just maybe not feeling so good about themselves? And how is some? What are some ways? I guess I could say that you help them bridge that gap from leaving that home at 18. Now, I mean, that's such incredible work you're doing. What are some things you've been working on with these kids? Yeah, when they um, when they first get out, I mean, our goal now is to get to them hopefully as early as 15 or 16. Okay. Because if we can do that and establish a relationship and bring in resources and be part of their life, then that transition from 18 out of foster care or maybe they do extended foster care, um, which is a great resource. However, um, as you can imagine, when you've been told where you're going to live where you're going to school, what you're going to do, you know, they're kind of over that at 18. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. You know, so when they make that transition, our goal is to already have that relationship. Um, And if we don't, we still, when they come through this door, many of them are homeless. So the first thing we do is we have uh, hot meals ready that they can just eat right there because they're probably hungry. We have a shower and a washer and dryer where they can clean their clothes. We have a closet with brand new clothes. And our goal is to help them restore some of that dignity from being homeless, feeling unwanted, and that no one has, you know, has their back. Um, And then we can kind of start from there and start having those conversations and see what are their goals and how can we help them get there. I love that, helping the kids figure out their goals. I mean, I'm putting that in the show notes right now. Um, after when this goes live, the washer and dryer, all things to give them that sense of home, that sense of feeling, that sense of belonging is so important that 
I think many of us maybe take for granted when we hear stories like this, where if you did have a, a childhood growing up where you had these things in place, you don't really think of life without it. But oh. there are kids who never even know a life with it. At, well, absolutely. And right now with our crisis with housing all over the country, but it's definitely here where I am in Florida, you know, we have more homeless than I've ever seen since yes. I've been working for Ready for Life. And, and that's an issue, you know, because these are our children that were raised in a system that now is not taking care of them. And, and it's not okay that we have so many homeless, you know, however, I will kind of flip that and tell you they have the greatest resolve I've ever seen. They have the most persistence and we have had young adults literally sleeping in their car or in the streets or on couches and still graduate and get a college degree. Amazing. And I, I can't even imagine it myself. You know, so if you give them the right tools, the resources, the support, they can do anything, you know, with with their dedication and their resolve and their persistence. It's amazing to watch them. I'm sure that they learn a lot from you, but you learn some lessons from them as well and resilience, especially. We always say if something happens, we want them right here with us. If something happens to the world, they need to be with us because they are the survivors. They've yeah. been through the trenches. They've had a fight and claw their way through. And it's just such a warm feeling to hear some of these success stories that you're briefly touching on. But mm -hmm. even though we may not have been in those shoes, we all do have a mental health, Kathy. We all do have our ups and downs. What are some things you do to take care of your mental health? Some of your favorite things? Uh, great question. And someone else asked me that today while we were here in the office. And it, you know, and I talk to my staff a lot about this because I've been doing it a long time. And when you first start, it is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see some of the things we see and you deal with them, you do want to take it home or you maybe don't want to, but it just can't, it doesn't leave you just because you go home. So I've learned over the years that if I don't continually take care of myself, I can't help anybody else. You know, if I feel drained and depleted and stressed because I'm carrying all of their stuff, I can't help them, you know? So I'm really big on helping my staff as well as myself. You know, if, if I'm sensing there's some, overwhelming burnout kind of feelings. I mean, we take a pause. We absolutely take a pause and, and take a little time off or maybe go do some kind of team building exercise or whatever. You know, some people's exercising, some maybe go get a massage, whatever it is, but you've got to take care of yourself or you're not going to be able to deal with this day in, day out with hundreds of young adults and their little ones that are their children. Yeah, and I always touched on that. I touched on it on Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health, my book, where you can't possibly be anybody else's best friend if you're not your own best friend. If you can't take care of yourself, how can you possibly take care of anybody else to a point where you're doing them a service, you're doing them a favor, you're just really depleting yourselves. And again, taking breaks, that's something I'm huge on. I, as the solopreneur for so long, have ex learned that burnout feeling, did those 18-hour days for so long, and then eventually I realized, that's not the way for me to do it. I need to take my breaks. I call my mental health breaks. I'll do little productive things around the house. I'm big into exercise as well. Those are things that also helps for me. Everyone listening on, what works for some does not work for everyone, and that's okay. Find some things that work well for you. Self-care is so important. And before we hop into learning some advice she has for all of our mental health champions out there and shed a little more light on Ready for Life, we're going to dive into this week's Spotlight story. And this is a really good one. I think that We'll have a lot of value in this. 
We're going to look at something from the National Conference of State Legislators. It's an article titled Mental Health and Foster Care. We're going to touch on a few points from it, and then we're going to bring back on Kathy to see what she likes to talk about and what she can resonate with. The article puts like this, and this is a few years old, so it might be even higher now. But up to 80% of children in foster care have significant mental health issues compared to approximately 18 to 22% of the general population. As a result of these increased mental health issues, foster care prescribes psychotropic medications at a much higher rate than non-foster youth, costing the state, through fee-for-service programs like Medicaid, millions of dollars per year. The American Academy of Pediatrics Healthy Foster Care American Initiative identifies mental and behavioral health as, quote, greatest unmet health need for children and teens in foster care. Factors contributing to the mental and behavioral health of children and youth in foster care include the history of complex trauma, frequently changing situations and transitions, broken family relationships, inconsistent and inadequate access to mental health services, and the overprescription of psychotropic medications. I learned that a foster care alumni study performed by Casey Family Programs in 2003 found significant disparities in mental health between foster care alumni and general population. The report, which is titled Assessing the Effects of Foster Care Mental Health Outcomes from the Casey National Alumni Study, and you can follow this link right or wrong here in the show description, everyone. 2004 compared to 1,087 former foster youth and 3,547 adults from general population matched for age, gender, race, and ethnicity, finding the following. PTSD, percent of foster care alumni, 21.5%. General adult population, 4.5%. Major depressive episode, foster care alumni, 15.3 to 10.6 general adult population. Panic disorder, 11.4 for foster, 3.6% general adult population. These are incredible disparities. Drug dependence, 3.6% foster care alumni, 0.5% general adult population. Bulimia, 2.9% foster care, 0.4% general adult. On a particular note, considering the high level of complex trauma faced by foster children and youth, it is that foster care alumni experience PTSD at a rate nearly five times the general population. These are really staggering numbers here and they're eye-opening, I feel like. Kathleen, what is your takeaway on this article? Yeah, those are staggering. And and unfortunately, I would venture to say those are higher now. I would you agree. Said, you know, 20 years later, and especially going through some of the things we've gone through um, since 2003. Um, you know, it it's staggering and and it's so true and we we see that every day and you know i also played the role of the case manager right. a long time ago and you know our system it doesn't matter if you're in florida cal i don't care where you are this is a tough system to actually successfully operate right if you if you can do that and where i am there are so many kids in foster care and just my county and the county next to us, we have 2,500 children. And that's in two counties out of all of Florida. I mean, that is unbelievable. So you can't, you know, as a case manager, you can't take on 40 and 50 and 60 kids and see them mm -hmm. like you're supposed to and get them the mental health services, right? So they're doing the best they can with the resources they have, but it's not good enough. You know, these young adults are aging out with no 
mental health type services. And by the time they come to us, we do get them into services. And one thing I'm seeing, and, and again, they don't know because no one's taught them, you know, they're assessed, they're evaluated. Um, they Many are prescribed medication, as it says. Um, so they begin taking it and then they feel better. So they stop. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize they feel better because they've been taking the medicine. And so those episodes, it's just chronic, you know, because they don't like being on them. So by the time they feel better, they stop until they have another episode. And it, and it's just that chronic, not knowing how to care for themselves and not understanding, you know, many of them have multiple diagnoses. And, and again, it's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get them the kind of help they need, it's very difficult. It's like a vicious cycle, I feel, where it's just going again. They think they're okay, but then the other side is then they're addicted to these pills, addicted to these medicines, but they need these medicines. They might not have the resource to get it. And similar to like we were talking about before the show, the system may be broken in many ways, just like the education system we were talking about, where there's just not enough help to give them one-on-one care, let alone just the proper care. But people like you, you're doing your best. You're making a big difference. And I'm sure you are very appreciated by all the kids who cross your path. I mean, just from the warm shower or a hot meal, everyone out there, don't take things for granted when you hear stories like this. But thank you for that incredible analysis after that article, Kathy. I love to switch it off. Yeah, you do come across a lot of people who are struggling. What is some advice that you give to them? Some advice you can offer some mental health champions out there today who are also struggling? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, first of all, it's, it's not that you're sick or have anything wrong with you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that the first step is to acknowledge that you may need to get help, you know, outside of your immediate circle or outside of just talking to a friend. And that's a strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so many people have said, but I'm weak if I go see a therapist. No, To me, you're strong if you go see someone and you actually can tell your story and talk about what's, you know, what's going on in your life. So I encourage you, you know, get to a professional. That is the first thing you can do. Um, Get the help you need and know that you are one of millions that struggle with this. You know, and I especially after COVID, Mm -hmm. there's not many people that don't have some type of, you know, effect from what happened. And how our world kind of got turned upside down. So it go get help. Absolutely get help. And there's lots of ways to do that. There's also support groups where you do feel like you're part of a, a group that gets you. It doesn't have to be just you alone getting that help. But but call someone, go get help, and, and try and take care of yourself. You know, there is something to be said for debriefing, for just taking a moment and just trying to let that thought or those thoughts pass. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do in the immediate, but really depending on how profound um, the mental health could be, you really need to seek help from someone that is trained and works in this field that can help you right away. The hardest part, like anything else, is just getting started for the first time, getting used to that. And there are a lot of free resources out, excuse me, out there. There are a lot of free hotlines out there. Find what's best for you. Hop on Google walk into a clinic, walk into anywhere and just ask for advice. And I'm confident something will work out. While we're talking about all these things, we might as well ask for all your contact information, social media, website for your company. That way people who are liking what we're hearing, who may need your help can ask for help. That sounds great. Um, So Ready for Life, Inc. And we are in Largo, Florida. 
Our website is ready for life Pinellas, which is the county we're in, dot org. Um, uh, a number is 727-954-3989. You can email info at readyforlifepinellas.org for any questions, whether it's personal questions, whether you live in a community where there's not support for these young adults that are aging out. Uh, Ready for Life has replicated already, and we are happy to talk to any community about the model we use that utilizes a army of volunteers that come beside our staff and our young adults. Um, and it truly has made an amazing difference in the lives of so many of these young adults aging out of foster care. I appreciate taking the time to share all that. Everyone out there, be sure to at least check out the great work she does. Be sure to say hello. But before we sign off, Kathy, is there anything else you would like to touch on today regarding Ready for Life? Any events coming up, anything at all? Sure. Um, we have a big fundraiser in April. Like you said, go to, um, we have Facebook or our website. Uh, it's called Night in the Park in St. Pete in partnership with American Stage. But you can see all that information. Um, again, the biggest thing I think I would say to those listening is um, if you want to connect us with your community to see how we might help you serve this population that truly does tend to fall through the cracks and has been forgotten, um, I think that's the biggest thing we could do is sit down with you and talk about ways that together we can help you and your community uh, serve such an amazing population that absolutely uh, needs us. When is that big event in St. Pete you were just talking about? April 12th. April 12th. And it's called Night in the Park. And uh, it's a big backstage party you come to. You learn more about us. There's food, drink, and then you get to see the play Ragtime put on by American Stage. Um, and they do this night in the park for about five weeks each year. Okay. And uh, what time does that start? Well, if you want to come to the Ready for Life part and buy a ticket, um, we're 5.30 to 7 for the backstage garden party. The play is 7.30 to probably 9.30. All right. Thank you. Only because I am putting that in my Google calendar <laughs> as, as we speak. That Love way, to see you I, there. I can hopefully make it. Everyone out there, be sure to head to all of her website, social media, Facebook, and just see what she's all about. Get involved in the community. It is a great thing. And this show is at a mental health break on all social media platforms except Instagram. I've condensed everything to Vincent A. Lancey. Head to YouTube, Vincent A. Lancey, for a sneak peek of this episode, some video coverage. And until next week, we're signing off. Staying here in Pinellas, both of us, as I am in St. Pete as well. Take care, Kathy, and thank you for taking the time to join me. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity.